Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. You're listening to the series on the sufficient answer, the cures for spiritual sicknesses delivered by Sheikh Mikael Smith. In this series, Sheikh Mikael will be covering a beautiful book authored by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala titled Al-Jawab Al-Kafi in which he not only addresses the very common yet extremely difficult issues of spirituality, but he also addresses the philosophical crises that people suffer through. Sheikh Mikail will lead us through this book and bring forth very beautiful and beneficial discussions. So listen in, share with family and friends, and if you are benefiting from Qalam and everything that we provide here at the podcast and beyond, then please be a part of this solution, be a part of this project of educating all of humanity by going to supportqalam.com, support Qalam yourself, and also share the link with family and friends. And now on to the lesson. All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam. Ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya rabbil alameen The dua that I just recited, I often recite before we start our class and the meaning of that dua is Oh Allah, I ask you for your love Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk and I ask you for the love of those people that you love, that may yuhibbuk those who love you, I want to love them too. So those people who love you, Ya Allah, put my, their love in my heart as well. The other meaning is make them love me too, right? And Allah, give me the love of those actions which will be the cause of me getting your love, right? And this is a, uh, a very important dua, especially with the book that we're reading. Um, for those who were here yesterday, uh, last week, I'm sorry, we're just going to recap really briefly uh, the purpose of why this book that we're studying, why it was written. Um, in the beginning of the book, uh, the book actually begins with one question. Um, somebody wrote a letter, wrote a question to Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, um, he was like the, the Ibn al-Qayyim, the son of the principal uh, of, of a very, very large madrasa or school. And um, he was well known throughout you know, his time. You know, there was Everyone knew who Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi was. Um, so somebody sent him a question. Someone wrote him a question. And they sent him that question. Um, and the question we read last week, the question was, he says, مَا تَقُولُ سَادَاتِ الْعُلَمَاءِ anhum. What do the scholars say about a person? رَجُلًا أُبْتُلِيَ بِبَلِيَةً Who's stuck in some type of sin. What do the scholars say about someone who's stuck in some type of sin? وَعَلِمَ But this person knows. أَنَّهَا this person knows that if this sin stays with them, then it will destroy their whole life and they will destroy their whole hereafter as well. And that's the case. Many times we're stuck in a sin and we know already that, that how dangerous that sin is to us. Whether it be for the hereafter or whether it be for this dunya, we know. We have knowledge of how bad the sin is, but nonetheless we're still stuck in the sin. And the way some scholars have, 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 have explained it is your heart and the deen tell you, I got to get out. But shaitan and the nafs keeps you in it. So your heart and your deen tell you, yo, get out of here, get out of here. This is horrible. 
But two things, shaitan and the nafs keep you trapped inside that. And, and it's like a prison that you're stuck inside. So he's asking this question and he says, وَقَدْ اِجْتَهَدَ فِي And this person has tried everything to push this thing away. He's tried everything in, in her, his or her means, to, but he can't. And he says, if anything, فَمَا يَزْدَادْ إِلَّا He's like, if anything, the more he tries to push it away, the harder the sin comes on him. The more he ends up slipping or she ends up slipping back inside that sin. So the, here's the question. What's the solution? What's the cure? How do I get out of this? And uh, How do I wipe it away? How do I get it out of here? How do I take it away? And then he makes a dua. He says, may Allah help the person or have mercy on the person who helps someone stuck in a difficulty. Um, he's trying to, you know, open Ibn Qayyim's heart to help him. Now what's interesting is last week, what did I tell you? What was the baliyah? Did we actually highlight what baliyah was? We just said it was some type of sin. So what's interesting is that, so we don't know who wrote the letter, who wrote the question, of course, right? That's not gonna be told to us. But we have some very, very clear clues about what the actual sin was. And how did we come to that conclusion? Based on the organization of the book, and actually in one line, he actually says, and I think this is exactly the, the ibtila or baliya that you were questioning me about. And you know what that sin was? What would you think it is? Everyone's like, yeah, I ain't gonna tell on myself. <laughs> if I say something, I'm just telling on me, right? Like, honestly. Okay, so it seems as if he's, he's this person, him or her, has gotten involved in a sexual relationship with someone. Haram relationship. Based on the organization of the book, it seems that this person has, is in that type of sin. And you want to know what's even deeper? You know what's crazy? This book is so perfect. So perfect because almost everyone in this room is struggling with some type of sin that they're like, I already know. I just need to cure out. I say, I already know the problem, Sheikh. You don't got, I already know it's haram, you know, straight up. I just need help out. I need to cure out. So you know what's even deeper about this book? The context even tells us perhaps the sin was homosexuality too at that time. Like we're talking like 700 years ago in Islamic history and the person is writing about this problem that they have. And based on the way Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi is writing it, it even seems that it wasn't even a, a male-female relationship but even a homosexual relationship that the person was stuck, uh, stuck in. Nonetheless, whatever the sin is, the way that the author goes about um, what we learn, again, what we learn from this book is number one, how to, um, uh, he, he calls the book, da, uh, the book is called Da'wa, the cure in the sickness. So what he talks about is how to actually cure those sicknesses out of you, right? And he talks generally. He doesn't talk about just this one sin. Towards the end of the book, he starts to focus on that one person's question, but throughout the book, he's talking more about like general medicine for your heart and how to cure your heart in general from hardships that you'll get yourself caught into and sins that you'll get yourself caught into. Um, but the other thing we see is like, we see, you know, everyone, we always read the hadith that talk about speak truth to power, speak truth to power, speak truth to power and so on. But the prophetic, the prophetic struggle 
It's not about being able to speak truth to power, but be able to eloquently and effectively speak truth to pain. I'm going to say that again. Speak truth to power is not what the main focus of prophetic um, rectification and prophetic healing is about. The prophetic, the, 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 the genius behind the prophet Sallallahu ability to connect to people was he had this ability to speak truth to people who were in pain and broken. And that's something that a lot of us, we, we lack that tact and that skill of how to speak truth to where places that are painful. We either let the pain overtake and then don't speak truth or let the truth overtake and don't, aren't conscious, we're, we're, we're callous to the pain and just drop the truth. Well, that's not effective at all. The, the skill is to speak truth to pain prophetically. And what he does here is he doesn't just tell the person, you know, stop the sin, stop talking to her, don't do that. He goes to the root of it. And the reason is he says that if I don't go to the root of the sin, it's just going to, like a weed, it's just going to sprout back up. So there's no point in me just attacking or telling you how to get rid of the, 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 the sin itself. I want to go to the depth of the sin and speak about what's actually truly causing that sin to happen. And that's what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala um, is doing. Um, and so last week, last week what we spoke about, um, he spoke in general about um, two things that are major. So here's the name, the way he situates it. He says that the sicknesses of the body are very similar to the sicknesses of the heart as well. All right. And in order to. Uh, cure them, you have to use the correct medicine for them. So throughout the whole book, he's taking a very medicinal approach to sinning. He's very, taking a very, very practical and medicinal approach to sinning. And this is, this is all throughout his other books as well. He always takes the same method towards sin and spiritual sickness that is just like bodily sickness and sins of the heart and things like that. Okay? They have the, they're similar to one another. Um, so last week, what did he talk about? Whoever has notes who was here last week. He talked about two major cures. The first of which, Ahmed, well, Quran in general, right? So he talked about the first type of shifa being Quran, reciting the Quran, connecting to the Quran, the leza or the, the beauty that comes from connecting to the Quran and using the Quran as a type of shifa to you. And there are many verses that he spoke about about that. And the second one, the second one is something we're going to continue with today. Um, we won't stay on it too long, but we'll continue it. Well, actually, for a minute, we'll stay on this one. Um, the second cure, now what he's talking about here, what I want us to understand, the person he's dealing with has a specific sickness and a specific, when we say sickness, we're talking about this sin. He's looking at it as a spiritual disease, okay? So this person has a specific disease that he wants to rid from himself. But Ibn Qayyim first is going to give him general medicinal healthy, like, all right, are you eating healthy? You know, you go to the doctor, you have problems like, okay, are you eating healthy? Are you doing this? Are you jogging? What time do you go to sleep? What time do you wake up? You're like, yo, my back hurts, right? I'm not talking about sleep. My back hurts right now. But they're like, wait, no, no, I got it. I want to see your whole lifestyle, right? And I want to talk about just, are you taking vitamins? You know what I'm saying? Are you taking vitamin D, so on and so forth? All those things, the doctor, you'll, you'll be like, wait, I just came because my back is hurting. But he's looking at it a whole, um, and, and you know, there's something else here that I really wanted to talk about is like normally, traditionally, people had connection to specific scholars who knew them. 
And the reason they had connection to specific scholars who knew them is the same way people had personal doctors. Like when you go to a personal doctor who's seen you since you were like 18, 19, all right, some people are not 18 in here, um, since you were like 12 or 13, whatever, right? That doctor knows you inside out. So the relationship and the understanding that that doctor has of you inside and out is so much deeper, right? And what happens now is many of us, we don't have spiritual doctors or teachers that really know us on that level, that we can say, hey, it's me. I'm having pain in my back. I'm having pain in my heart. I'm feeling down. What should I be doing? We don't have those individual doctors we can uh, connect with, and that's really a, not a good sign. You should have someone who you spiritually vibe with, right? That's a Texas word? Is that a Texas word? It should be. It should be, right? All right, cool. Yeah, take it. Y'all know it now if you don't, right? Okay, you should have a, a, a doctor that you, you vibe with and knows you deeply so that when you say, hey, I can't wake up for fudger, they're not giving you some like textbook answer. Like, all right, you can't wake up for fudger. Okay, no, a doctor that really knows you is going to be like, wait, hold on. Like, are you stuck in that old sin that you were doing before? Because they know you, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I started that again. They're like, oh, that's why. Okay, stop that, right? Otherwise, if the doctor doesn't know you, what do they have to give you? The textbook type answer, right? Okay, set your alarm, da 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 because they don't know you personally. So I just for a moment, I wanted to digress and really highlight that we need to get back to that tradition of connecting on a one-to-one -one level with your teacher spiritually that you know and not get into this disconnected type uh, lifestyle where I could just, you know, Google medicine cures. I go on Google, I'm like, my back's hurting, what is it? And before you know it, you think you got cancer, <laughs> right? Before you know it. I ain't gonna look at nobody over here, but whatever. <laughs> all right, so I'm good. So the point is being that you really have to connect with people on that personal level, just the way you need to connect with a physical doctor that knows you and can assess your situation closely, right? So, so throughout this book, he's talking about cures. The first cure he talks about is the Quran, and he talks about using the Quran as if shifa. The next cure that he talks about that we started yesterday was the, uh, not last week, excuse me, uh, was about the um, dua, right? The power of supplication and dua. He spoke about that and how that is a true cure. Um, is it me? Or you think we could turn the AC on? Thank you, Muhammad. Jazakallah khair, man. Allah reward you, bro. It's over here? Okay. Jazakallah khair, man. Okay, if it gets chilly, please let me know, inshallah. Okay, so I'm going to pick up. We're on page 19, inshallah. I'm going to read some from the text, inshallah ta'ala. He says, He says, and dua. Dua is one of the most powerful medicines for your heart and soul and your condition. He says, it's the enemy of hardships. It's the enemy of hardships. It fights against the hardship for you. It stops it from coming on you. He goes, it will fight against the hardship for you. It will fight against it. And it will take it away. And he says, And even, so now he's saying dua has a preventive element to it. So like even before the hardship hits you, dua has a preventive medicine. It's like your vitamins that you take. So you just don't get sick in the first place, right? But then he says, He's like, but even after, you know, most of us start taking 
like uh, uh, vitamin C after we start getting like the runny nose, right? And it helps a bit. Now they have what emergency, right? Right. So it helps a bit, right? Or maybe placebo. I don't know. You guys could tell me better. Uh, whatever. But we start taking it after it came down. So that's what he says here. He says, He's like, even after the hardship has already come, the cold has already started, you start feeling lethargic from the flu, and you start popping the emergency. He says, that's what dua is. Now, he says, and it's the weapon of the mu'min. The weapon. Now, what were the two things I said in the beginning we were fighting against? I'm sure someone really picked up on those. There were two specific things we were fighting against. Shaitan and nafs. What he's, what he's highlighting here is you against shaitan is a very tough one. But calling Allah to help you against shaitan, you're good. Your nafs is the same way. The nafs is, 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 is extremely strong. It's extremely strong. And the nafs is like, as Imam Busayri says, is like a tifr. It's like a little child. That is just persistent, persistent, persistent. So he says that the weapon against those two things is your dua. And he says, and he says, because the Prophet said in a hadith, write this hadith down, a dua silahul mu'min. Dua is the weapon of the mu'min. Like imagine going into battle without weapons. You're just like throwing up your fist. Like, Let's go. Right? And people are like, what you doing, dude? Are you trying to show off? Right? No. The weapon of the mu'min is that silah. That, that sword or whatever weapon you, you like here. Or in Texas, right? Okay. Okay. So, walahu ma'al bala thalathatu maqamat. He says now, this is important. He says, in relation to the hardship that in, the tribulation, whether it's a sin or whatever it may be, there's three levels that your dua is going to have. Maqamat, three levels. He says the first level is that your dua is going to be stronger than the hardship. First level. So he says, The dua is so strong, it'll just push that hardship out of the way right there. And you might be like, well, how do I get strong duas? Got you, it's coming inshallah. Second level. He's like, your dua is weaker. Your dua is weaker than the tribulation. So it steps up for the fight. But it's overpowered. But it, it, it weakened it a bit. Got it? It weakened it. The dua was weaker than the actual hardship coming. Okay? So that when it came, it, he tried to defend you. But dua was, the, the bala was like, yo, get out of my way. You're not, you're not strong enough. But he's like, but it may weaken it a bit. Got it? Okay, cool. All right. Third one. He says, Ayakun yataqawama. He's like, they're equal. And they just stay busy with each other. The dua is just as strong as the bala, and they're equal with each other. He's trying to give you understanding for the level, and, and the dua just keeps the bala busy. He's trying to give you a personification of it as if this dua is literally wrestling with that hardship that has come down. And he says, um, he says, and his proof for this is a hadith of the Prophet, where the Prophet, he says, a dua. Dua will help you with that which has already come down and that which has not hit you yet. Now, I'm going to digress for a quick moment because I noticed something that um, is part of our tradition 
but the, 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 this generation of you know, new woke Muslims aren't really hip to. And what that is, is in the pro, in the, being in the um, habit of morning and evening ad'iyah. What do I mean by morning and evening ad'iyah? Someone know, what am I talking about? What? Your morning adhkar, your evening adhkar. Exactly. Like, you know your grandmother maybe? She has those like morning adhkar that she's hitting every day at the stove or when she's doing, your, your grandfather every day, he has those morning ad'iyah that he's hitting all the time. Right? Like, you know, everyone's like, wait, I don't know these. Okay, you don't know them? Take out your cell phone right now, right? There's an app called Hisnul Muslim, right? His, I'm, I'm not joking, like, take out your phone. <laughs> Normally, like, you'll put your phone away. No, take it out, please. Check it out. The dua, please. Hisnul Muslim. You with me, right? Hisnul Mu'min. Hisnul Mu'min. Hisnul Muslim, thank you. It'll make you a mu'min though. It'll make you a mu'min. Inshallah. Download this app. Why? It has a section because you're like, wait, what du'as are you talking about? And I want to actually give you the medicine that he's recommending here because this is preventive medicine. There's many of them. Huh? Did you find one? It should be free. There's a lot of them. Anyone find one? I use my du'a. Whatever one, I just want to make sure someone has, everyone has something on their phone. In those apps, you'll find morning adhkar and evening adhkar. So we got it for you, Isa. We'll get it for you, inshallah. You keep us looking good on Instagram and uh, Facebook. <laughs> okay, why am I saying download this? Because these morning du'as, even if you're not reading them all, they're serving as type of a, pre 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 uh, a protection and preventive medicine from these hardships that hit you. And they're short, they're not very long. Like most of these are on your lift ride to work or on your commute to work. You're reading them in like five minutes, but they're very effective. And it's like those vitamins that you normally take just to protect yourself from those common colds and bacteria and things that build up, right? So what I wanted to highlight is this is something we just wake up, all right, we did our fudger and we're on with our day, right? But no, this is extremely, extremely important for your spiritual health that you have these type of adhkar in your morning regimen. And I'm not talking 20, 30 minutes, guys. I'm talking five, four, five minutes of just reciting something like, a, like your vitamins, right? You just take it, you drink behind it, and you go on with life, right? Okay, so what does he say here? He says, a dua yenfa. Dua will help you, help you with that which has already hit you meaning you already got a code, and that thing which hasn't come yet as a preventive and protect, protection. And he says, and the hadith says, he says, and a hardship comes down, subhanAllah, a, a, a calamity comes down, will meet that, and they just fight until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Like it's taken care of by that dua. You know, that's heavy, yo, that's heavy. Like a, a calamity was coming because of some sin you did or whatever, and that calamity's coming looking for you. Just put this in your head. I want you to really picture this. This calamity is coming looking for you because you're the mark that it's sent to hit. But you made a, you made a dua this morning, and as that calamity comes, that dua hits it, and it's like, I got you, back up. And here you go, you just keep going with your day, driving in your car, nothing happened. Alhamdulillah. 
But the effect of that peace and uh, tranquility that you are still benefiting from was the effect of that dua stopping that hardship before it hits you. Fahmt? Alhamdulillah. All right, let's go forward. And he says, um, and he goes forward. Now, when, 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 a, when, a, when, when your doctor prescribes medicine, the pharmacist doesn't just drop that medicine on you and be like, yo, here. Like, here's the, here's the, here's the, bam, right there, take it. What, what does the pharmacist do? Directions, instructions. How to take it, what time to take it, how, how much of it to take, what to eat before, what not to eat before. All of these things are important parts of medicine, not, correct? They can change drastically how that medicine affects you. Like I remember back in the day, right, when they didn't have a lot of like these veggie gel caps, right? So like I was like, all right, I'm just gonna open up the gel cap and like dump it in my mouth, right? And doctor's like, no, that won't work. We need the, the, the medicine to get to your stomach, not the, that way, right? And alhamdulillah, whatever, whatever. But the point is, like the pharmacist tells you exactly how to take it in the way that is most effective to, to do the job. So you know what he's going to do now? He already told you dua is a shifa, but he didn't tell you enough. It's just like the doctor like, yo, here's an antibiotic, take it. And now you go home, you're like, uh, like do, I, do I down all these joints right now? Do I take a half of one? What do I? You don't know what to do. So he's like, I told you dua, but I didn't even tell you how to use dua. I didn't tell you how to take dua yet. So what he's going to do now, and it's so beautiful, he's going to actually now go through um, how to use the medicine. And not only that, you know, like, you know how some medicines, if you do something wrong, it'll completely cancel out the effect of the medicine. So you have to do it the right way. You have to take it on an empty stomach. You can't take it on an empty stomach or whatever it may be. So he's going to tell you those things that will, will stop the medicine from actually working. And which medicine are we talking about? Dua. So what I've realized when I was studying, I was like, people just giving us prescriptions but not telling us how to take them. Like you, you hear a talk and it's like dua, dua, dua. And I'm like, fadda, fadda, alhamdulillah, come on in. Why sit down till I catch it. Um, you know, people say like, you know, dua, 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 and you're like, khair, bismillah, Allahu akbar, ya Allah, give it to me. All right, done. And it's not happening because you didn't do it the right way. So we got to talk about how to do that. Any questions? Any questions? Tell you. Okay. Okay. First thing. وَمِنْ أَنْفَعِ الْأَدَوِيَّةِ إِلْحَاحِ فِي الدُّعَاءِ أَلِحْ فِي الدُّعَاءِ is to completely, completely um, beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and persistently and insistently ask for something. That's called ilha. So one of the qualities of dua, which most of us don't do because people are looking at us, quite frankly. That's why we don't do it. Right? When we're by ourselves, it's a lot easier to do this. But one of the things that is extremely essential for dua is something called ilha. Ilha. Now, ilha means to be very persistent and beseech Allah and implore Allah like, like, like you were when you were five and you wanted something that you saw in the store. That is the best example. And we spoke about it like last week. Um, and my child's children are watching me now and they completely understand everything I'm saying now. So it's 
so hard to give these examples now because she's listening so closely. <laughs> but very often that ilha for most parents will break you down. Like you'll be like, okay, okay, okay. It shouldn't and it won't break me down <laughs> ever. But it does. It does. You know what I'm saying? It breaks you down. And they just persist, persist, persist. Now some parents are like, boy, you better get up. <laughs> Back here. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Like, why are you acting up? You're going to get beat down at home. Right? right? But for some people, that's just enough right there. But I just want you to understand what ilha means. Ilha is just like, Ya Allah, give it to me. I want it. I Give it to me, Ya Allah. And, and the Prophet said, force Allah. So ask as hard as you want. Ask as hard as you want because you're not forcing anyone here. But the concept of ilha is something, when we make dua, we're like, yeah, it'd be nice to have this. It'd be cool. I mean, if you want to give it to me, like, no. Make that dua. Like, no, I want it. I want that. Y'all feel me, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then just talking about, like, Ya Allah. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Some brothers here be crying, like, oh, Allah, please, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll do anything, just please. That one right there. <laughs> do anything. That's the way you make dua. There's a hadith that says it's haq on Allah to answer the dua of the, the one asking for a spouse. It's haq on Allah to answer the dua of the one who's fighting their nafs and asking Allah, Ya Allah, I'm looking for halal. Please, Ya Allah. Haq on Allah. Allahu Akbar. Right? So make that dua, man. Make that dua. <laughs> so, he, so he says, he says, An Qatada is narrated, Qala Muwarik. He says, Ma wajatu lil mu'min mathalan. He says, the there's no example better for the believer. Mathalan, illa rajulan fil bahri ala khashyab. He's like the example of a believer. Me and you is like a person in the middle of the ocean holding on to a plank of wood. And he's like, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi. That's the believer. Heavy. That's your state. We, we, we're like doing dua like we're on a yacht on the, on the, on the, on the Baha. Like, yeah, Allah, you want to help me? You know, I got gas. So he's like, no, the believer on the ocean is like on a plank of wood. That's their mind state. I have nothing but you, Ya Allah. And he just, Ya Rabbi, screaming to Allah, help me. Now, I will say it is hard to do this ilha and get in company, right? It's like everybody, like, dang, yo, <laughs> right? So, so obviously, you need to cut out time where it's just you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even your, you know, wifey doesn't even see you. Right? It's just you. It's just you. So first category, first uh, necessary element of dua is this concept of ilha. Ilha. Okay? The thing I thought about when I when I thought about that example on the on the um, on the ocean on the uh, piece of wood was that person knows in their head what there's no one else here to help me. That is the key in this example. That that person holding on to the wood knows there's no one that can help me but Allah. And that's the way we need to be making dua even when we think we got things under our control. Because the fact of the matter, you really don't have things under your control. You, that's the fact of the matter. 
one thing changed and everything changed right there. <laughs> Just right there. It's, a, it's an illusion. We think we got a bit of control, but really don't. So, Qasim. Okay. Next, next thing. He says, those things which stop dua. So here's the pharmacist telling us what? Don't do this before you take the medicine because the medicine won't work. Understood? He says those things. Next chapter. Those things. Those things that will stop the effect of the dua. He says the things that will stop the effect of the dua are A person becomes impatient. And يستعجل. Now, 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 now. He says, oh, it's not coming. It's not coming. It's not coming. And It's not coming. It's not coming. He loses hope. So the person stops making the dua. Listen to this example. It was so beautiful. He says, This person who's making dua, it's not coming on time. Oh, it's not coming. He stops doing dua. He says, the example is من بذر بذرن, like a person who plants a seed. Or plants a sapling, right? So he starts to take care of this seed and put water on it, put water on it, put water on it. But when it doesn't grow fast enough, he stops watering it. Do you get the example? The fruit is coming. Just keep watering it. Your dua is watering that dua. Just keep making the dua. It's coming. Do you understand the example he's saying? You plant the seed and you're like, all right, put water. There it is. Where is it? It's not coming yet. I'm giving up. He's like, no, keep watering it. Keep watering it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So he says the Prophet Wasallam. And this is this is very important. A person's dua is gonna constantly being answered. As long as you don't make dua for a sin, you make dua that your family relations break off. Like, Ya Allah, take this person out of my family forever. Like, that ain't being answered, yo. That ain't being answered. Okay? And as long as the person that's a whole nother khut, but we're gonna have to talk about that on another class. <laughs> Sounds like that's an issue. All right. As long as a person doesn't become impatient. This is hadith. As long as a person, they said, Ya Rasulullah, mal istijal. What does it mean, istijal? Like to be impatient with the dua. Qad, the Prophet said, Yaqulu qad da'aut. I made dua. I made dua. Falam araya yastajabudi. It's not being answered. So he stops dua. The Prophet specifically talked about this. Is going to negatively or stop the effect of that medicine working on you. Is that you stop making dua because it's going too slow for you. Let me explain something. When we say the word inshallah, I don't think many of us, because we say it so much, actually realize or think about what inshallah means. What does inshallah actually mean? If Allah wills, but that don't mean nothing to me in English. Like, inshallah means if you know this to be good for me, oh Allah, give it to me. If you know this to not be good for me, see, most of us, inshallah, meant you're not getting what you wanted. 
That's how we grew up hearing inshallah. She already thinks that. Like, right? Inshallah just means no. Right? But it doesn't. The word inshallah actually should be a moment. You want to sit here? The word inshallah actually is a moment of reflection. And please pay attention. <laughs> it's a moment of re- what happened? The audio. Oh yeah, we need that. Inshallah is actually a moment of reflection. How so? This is important. Because you're asking, Ya Allah, give me, let me into this school. Ya Allah, let me get into this school. I want to be in this school. And then you go, Inshallah. Inshallah here literally means, Oh Allah, I only want that thing when and if you know that to be best for me. All right, this might not work. I'm going to change my mind. I love you too. Okay, go. Go. Qasim, go sit down. Okay. Everyone understand that point? So the idea of a dua and, and understanding the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that, Allah, I want this. And like I said in the first part, we're, we're saying, Ya Allah, give it to me. I want it. I want it. But with that is this thing that, Ya Allah, if you know it's best for me, I want it, Ya Allah. But if it's harmful for me, Ya Allah, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's not what I want. It's what you know is best for me. Because my knowledge is limited. My knowledge is limited. Okay. Now, conditions for this dua to be accepted. Conditions for the dua to be accepted. This is literally how to take the how to uh, take this this medicine. He says that وَإِذَا جَمَعَ مَعَ دُعَاءَ حُضُورِ الْقَلْبِ وَجَمْعِيَتِهِ بِكُلِّيَتِهِ عَلَى الْمَطْلُوبِ وَصَادَفَ وَقْتًا مِنْ أَوْقَاتِ الْإِجَابَةِ السِّتَّةِ Then he goes وَصَادَفَ خُشُوءًا فِي الْقَلْبِ وَإِنْكِسَارًا بَيْنَ يَدِ الرَّبِّ وَذِلًّا لَهُ وَاسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةِ and so on and so forth This dua will be accepted. Let me break all these down. Please pay attention because this is actually how you take this medicine. He says, first thing you need is focus. When you're making dua, focus. Not mind somewhere else. That's the first ingredient element of this medicine is your focus at the time. Qalb hadir. Qalb, a heart, present. Present in the dua. Number two, the correct time. Certain medicines you have to take at certain times. Dua similarly has times where dua is more effective than other times. Just the same way regular medicine is. What are those times? Someone want to try? All right, let's go. One. Raining. Oh, raining. Okay. There's a hadith about that. That's not one of the ones he's going to say. Please go sit down. No, sit down. Karima, go sit down. Go sit down. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, baby. Okay, raining. Yes? After Fajr? How about I read them? I'm not just going to read them. I'm just going to read them. <laughs> I'm going to read them. So we all learn, right? Okay, number one. The last third of the night. This is generally right before Fajr time comes in. This is one of the most uh, important times to make dua. It's a time where it's hard to get up to, right? But right before, so if Fajr comes in at like 6, then those 15, 20, 30 minutes before that are all like prime time to take this medicine. Cool. عند الأذان 
While the adhan is being called and in between the adhan and iqamah. I was thinking when I was reading this, I was thinking like one of the benefits of coming early to the masjid. Most of us bust in the masjid like first rakah, maybe second rakah, right? We're like, bust out and I'm out. But one of the benefits of getting there early is you get this, this prime time for dua. The time of adhan and in between, I think he's considering this as one time. Adhan and in between adhan and iqama. This is a time when duas are accepted. So time to take this medicine. Okay, um, next one. Adbara salawat al-maktubah. Immediately after salah maktubah. Immediately after salah maktubah. What's salah maktubah? The fard salah. So fajr, all the fard salah. Immediately after you pray them, that time is time of acceptance of dua. Fahimtum? Sayyid. Okay, next one. A lot of people don't know this one. عند سعود الإمام يوم الجمعة على المنبر حتى تقضي صلاة من ذلك اليوم. When the Imam goes up on the member until the prayer is over is a time of acceptance of dua on Yom al-Jum'ah. Okay? And the last one, the last portion of Asr time, right before Maghrib time comes in. Very special time. Very effective time for dua. Very effective time for contemplation too, especially with the Texas sunsets. Right? Especially with the Texas sun. One thing Texas has is nice sunsets, right? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Huh? Yeah, it's nice, alhamdulillah. All right, so I'm not advertising Facebook or anything for Texas. Y'all can stay where y'all want to stay. It's a lot of space. We like the space. So. The houses are not that expensive yet, so. <laughs> okay, so Asr, right at the last portion of Asr until Maghrib time. Everyone got those times? Yes. Any day, every day actually, yeah, every day. The Fajr and the uh, the one before Fajr that we read, after any Salah and uh, Asr, at the end of Asr is every day, okay? Now there are other Hadith, you're right, there is a Hadith about when the rain falls, it is the time of Istijab, but there are other Hadith, but generally from the Hadith, these are six key times. Another one, when you're traveling, for example, things like that, but these are key six, six key times of making dua. So mem- remember, we want to use the medicine at the right time so that it has that most the potency there and it has the effect. Yes, someone here had their hand up. Great question, Ghalib. Ghalib always be dropping the deep questions, yo. Oh man, alhamdulillah. So listen, he asked the question. Imam's on the member. Can I be sitting there like, Ya Allah! Ya Allah! You're in Jummah. No, you can't. So most scholars say this is the dua that you're making in your heart while the imam's on the member. Because you're not supposed to talk during Jummah. You're not supposed to talk or anything during Jummah. Right? So that's a great question, yes. When the imam sits. And the other is when the imam sits, sits between the two uh, things. Okay? So, yeah. so he says, he says now, the next thing he says that must be there, and this is, this, this is not, it is easy, but let's talk about it. He says, وَإِنْكِسَارْ Afwan. He says وَصَادَفَ خُشُوءًا فِي الْقَلْبِ وَإِنْكِسَارْ The next thing that is necessary He's speaking about internal now Internal elements that must be there خُشُوء and إِنْكِسَارْ إِنْكِسَارْ إِنْكَسَرَ What does إِنْكَسَرَ mean? Broken. broken A feeling of brokenness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Brokenness before Allah 
This is hard because we mask this so much in our life. We don't like the feeling of being broken, of course, right? We try to cover it. We try to get rid of it. We try to put something on top of it. We do whatever we can to not feel broken. But what we learn is that that state of brokenness that you feel, whether it be because of someone, something, any, whatever the cause may be, I know that was happening soon. Take the whole thing. Okay. Whatever the reason may be for the brokenness, that feeling of brokenness is actually a key means by which you get close to Allah. Everyone understand what I'm saying here? I know it is hard to deal with trauma. Trauma, difficulties are hard to deal with. But that has a benefit as well, which is that it opens your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it allows you to call on Allah in a way that previously you would not have been able to have that level of, you know, like, like crying and, and brokenness before Allah. So whatever it is that is breaking you, whether it be a human being too, someone's doing something wrong. But that feeling inside you is a key way for you to get close to Allah. That's my point here. I'm not saying you should live with it. I'm saying use it though. Use it to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone understand what I'm saying here? We don't like that feeling. We, brothers, we just try to hide it. I'm, I'm good, yo. That didn't hurt me. <laughs> nah, let that brokenness come out before you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And weep, man. Weep before Allah. That weeping is, is healing. Right? That weeping is healing. And, and the Prophet ﷺ was far more manly than you. And he wept. Ali radiallahu an way more manlier than you and me and all of us here. Probably all 40 of us here. Together. But he wept. He wept before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so allow that, allow that brokenness to come in and use that moment as a key moment for you to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so we did three things. Focus attention during du'a. Number two was the correct time. Number three was, oh, there's one more thing I want to share. When we look at the Prophet Sallallahu times of elevation, they always came right after the moments of the most broken feeling. I'll say that one more time. The moments of the Prophet Sallallahu like when he was elevated the most, like example is Isra Mi'raj. Isra Mi'raj was like a gift to the Prophet Sallallahu when did it happen? After what major incident? Ta'if. Ta'if was the pinnacle of brokenness for the like he was completely rejected from everyone. And he makes this dua out of complete, like, I'm nothing. I can't get this job done. And he's crying, he's covered in blood, and he's been re rejected from everywhere. He's rejected from Mecca, rejected from Ta'if. Who is there? But at that moment is when he opened his heart up. And at that moment is when Allah is like, I got you, Isra Miraj. I'll show you who you are. I'll show you your level. You, he went the lowest and Allah brought him up the highest. So all I'm trying to say is use those feelings of brokenness as your moments to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tayyib, let's go forward. So three things, what are they? Please. Focus. Number two? 
the correct time. Number three, Hushu. Now here are the internal. These are internal parts of this dua. Here are some external aspects of it. External, which help in the effectiveness of this medicine. Number one, facing qibla. That's what he says here. He says, وَيَسْتَقْبِلَ الدَّاعِيَ الْقِبْلَ Next one. وَكَانَ ala tahara. They try their best to be in the state of tahara. Okay? Purity. وَرَفَى yadehi And raise hands. Like you don't have to raise your hands to make dua. Not raise your hand. Oh. <laughs> You raise your hands in dua, right? Raise your hands, okay? Um, uh, and next thing is this. Who knows the prophetic formula of how to make dua? I'm going to ask one person, okay? One of the sisters, inshallah. Who wants to try? How about a more advanced? Atiyah, yes. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Okay, so here's the, the way the Prophet taught how to make dua. If you don't know this, please write it down because this is how he taught. First thing is, is athna Allah, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we don't just go, Ya Allah, please give me whatever it is. First thing first, ifna Allah, like praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah, walhamdulillah, la ilaha, Allahumma laka alhamdu kullu. Oh Allah, for you is all praise. Oh Allah, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, like praising Allah first. Cool. Followed by what next? Salah ala nabi Prayers on the Prophet After the praise, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallam da'iman ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Just Allah in English, Ya Allah, send the best of peace and blessings on the Prophet Muhammad Call, Make dua for the beloved of the Prophet, of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make dua for the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muhammad Um And then, the next thing uh, he says here. Then before you ask for anything, toba and istighfar. So before you actually make that key dua you're getting to, you're like, Ya Allah, forgive me. So that when you make that dua, it's clean. It's coming from a clean person. It's coming completely clean. Um, then he says, Thumma dakhala ala Allah. Then now. You start, Ya Allah, I need help with this. Ya Allah, I need this. Whatever it may be. But that's the formula right there. So, hey, if you guys got that, anyone need me to repeat it? Like, yo, this is like Pharmacy 101, yo. For du'as, man. Like, how to actually take that du'a. Alhamdulillah. Do people um, do it another way where they start off with the praise and then they do Praise was du'a? first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, so normally that is the way. We, I didn't get to that part, but after the du'a is over, you end. You the, the the first thing you do after you're done with your du'a is salah ala nabi. So du'a again for the Prophet and then hamd at the end for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, so you, you, you end with hamd, you start with hamd. Like it's just like a sandwich, you know what I mean? Like all right, cool. The next thing he says here is also. Add inside your du'a the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know what I'm saying? Ya Rahimin, Ya Malik, Ya Qudus, the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially, I would say, brothers and sisters, 
depending on the hardship you're in, use the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connected to that. Like it's about rizq. I need a job. So who you calling? There you go. You already know who to call. Ar-Razaq. Right there. You know what I'm saying? So use the name of Allah. You have sickness. You know what I'm saying? You call the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that connects you so much deeper. You have trouble on Hidayah, you know, homework or whatever. Yeah, Fatah. So Hidayah is a harder book they study here. It's a bit harder. So you're having trouble in school. Who do you call? Fatah. Because Fatah opens up your mind and heart. Right? inshallah. Okay. Going forward here. He then tells us, he has about two pages. I'm not going to study with you guys. But these two pages that he's talking about here are about Ismullah al-A'zam. Ismullah al The greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So basically, let me explain this. He's telling you call the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala too. So use the names of Allah in your dua. Then he says, by the way, you can also use what's called Ismullah al-A'zam. The greatest name of Allah. And Ismullah al-A'zam is... Is a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Prophet says, whoever uses this name, that dua is answered. Now, what is that name? We actually don't know specifically what it is. There's a few different duas that he taught in which the Prophet said that Ismul Adam was inside that, that dua. So there's a few here that he said. Um, example was La ilaha illallah al-Azimul Halim, La ilaha illallah Rabbul Arshil Azim. La ilaha illallah rabbul samawati sabi wa rabbul ardi wa rabbul arshil kareem uh, And many other duas that have ismul a'zam The one thing I will share that he says here He says Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an used to say Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an used to say Ma karaba nabiyya min an anbiya illa istighatha bit tasbih None of the prophets of Allah ever went through any hardship Except that they um, They thought Help through dua, uh, through tasbih. What is tasbih? Is it still recording? Yeah, it should be. Okay. Except that they sought help through tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah. So just your tasbih is an effective help in uh, through the hardships that we're going through. Okay, any questions about what we went through right now? Any questions? Okay, so now he basically, um, yeah, he basically concludes this section and um, he talks about the conditions for acceptance, but we, we went through most of these already, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and then he talks about, again, he concludes this section talking about how um, dua is the sila of the mu'min, um, and he says, he says, when the dua is done properly, um, then it's a very sharp and efficient silah. And when the arm is strong, and when there's nothing to block this dua, then dua will do the job and take away uh, the hardship that, that comes, inshallah. Okay, so that's it for this section, inshallah ta'ala. Um, the author now uh, gets more specific. As we said, remember what the book is talking about. Um, in this book, the author is basically trying to help a person who's stuck in a type of sin. And he wants to give him the medicine that means out of that sin. How to cure himself from that sin. And the first thing he wanted to lay down 
was the Quran is a Shifa, right? And the second thing is that Dua is a Shifa and to use these inshallah ta'ala. Um, so I, I think it's very important that after this class, we spend some time really contemplating about our connection to Dua and how we're going to actually act upon this and put all of those elements that we discussed, all of those elements into Dua and use that as an effective mean, means inshallah to alleviating our situation inshallah ta'ala. Um, there was someone online asking that we repeat the formula. Um, yeah, someone already put it up there for them. Cool. Any questions? Any questions or comments? Questions or comments? Um, I really appreciate Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi because of the, the methodology by which he goes at spiritual rectification. Okay, like he really puts a very interesting approach to it. And I think if you stick with this class, inshallah, we'll learn a lot from his method and how he teaches us to speak truth to pain, right? How to speak truth to pain and actually go to the root of what the problems are, inshallah ta'ala. Right? Inshallah, Allah give us tawfiq. Yes, Ibrahim. Uh, what do you say to those of us like me who are like very technical about things, right? So he uses this kind of like, like he's described as a formula and they kind of just kind of go through it, right? And then when they don't see the, the, the fruits of their dua, they kind of take it upon themselves like, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong, you know? So what I would say after reading what we said today is that remember the example of watering the, the, the seed, right? Whenever you go through and make this dua the way it's supposed to be made, then you're watering that seed and you're seeing the effect, you'll see the effect of that dua with persistence, right? So just understand that it's not supposed to be exactly when you want it right away, but understand that this is the method towards that healing and using dua as a cure. So the, so the answer to that question is to think of the watering example that I'm watering the seed. I'm watering the seed. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, one of the scholars was asked this question, literally same question, and my teacher taught me this one. And it's pretty deep. I, I know it may be hard to kind of, it's a bit abstract, but I think it will benefit the discussion. So he said that one of the scholars was asked a question. A man came to him and said, I've been making a specific dua for 40 years. I've been making a specific dua for 40 years and I haven't seen the answer to that dua ever come back, come out, right? So the scholar said to him, have you ever thought that the dua, the tawfiq or the, du the ability to make that du dua again and again was the answer to your prayer? Like Allah was blessing you with more dua and connection with him instead of what you actually wanted, he was giving you something else have you ever thought for a moment but that that was the answer to your prayer in reality? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's a bit abstract, but you can see the depth there that sometimes we don't know what's best for us, so we make this dua. And there is a hadith, the Prophet said, you make a dua, one of three things happens. Either it's given to you right away, or it's held for you, or the reward of it is given to you in Jannah, right? So keep that in mind as well. The way I look at it is this though, personally speaking, that I start to feel this estrangement from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when I haven't had those moments in a long time where I made dua. I'm not talking about prayer. You can go through prayer and not feel connected to Allah, unfortunately, right? But dua where I'm talking to Allah, right? If I go too long without those moments of just talking to Allah, you start to feel like estrangement. Like, you know, your boy's like, yo, you ain't calling a minute. What's going on? You know, you start to feel like, wait, I haven't talked to Allah. 
I've been doing dhikr, I've been praying, but I haven't talked to Allah. Like, Ya Allah, right? So make that part of your connection, and um, that is a cure, and that's the first cure he wants us to learn about, inshallah. Khair, inshallah, let's call it an evening, inshallah. Um, they say, you know, what's short stays, and what's a lot runs. Right? So let's keep it a bit short. It's been about an hour, inshallah. So um, we'll stop here. Allah subhanahu Yeah, and plus uh, uh, Instagram, one hour is almost up. So that's how you know time is up, right? <laughs> Anyways, point being, pray salat right now. Um, for those who can kick it for a bit, chill out. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy the fellowship of other brothers and sisters. For those who have to go, inshallah, understood, inshallah. See y'all next week, inshallah. 730, inshallah. Let's make a short dua, inshallah, right? Short dua. We may talk about dua, let's make dua, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kullu, wa laka shukru kullu, wa ilayki ajul amru kullu, alaniya wa sirra. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali wa sahbihi wa sallam. Jazallahumma anna Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ma huwa ahluhu. Oh Allah, we praise you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we thank you for all of your blessings, Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Ya Allah, we ask you to send the best of blessings and peace on your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ya Allah, we ask you to open our hearts, Ya Allah, and cure our hearts from any spiritual diseases that we have, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to connect our hearts and our minds to your Prophet sallallahu and your deen, Ya Allah, and, and, and give us, Ya Allah, a love for you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us a love for you that is stronger than any other love, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us your love, Ya Allah, and a love for you that is stronger than any other love, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to guide us, Ya Allah. We ask you to guide our mothers and our fathers and our families, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, those of our family members who are sick, Ya Allah, we beg of you, Ya Allah, please give them shifa, Ya Allah, cure them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept our du'as, Ya Allah. We ask you to accept our du'as, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Protect our children, Ya Allah, and accept them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, and accept our... Ya Allah, accept us, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and forgive us for our sins, Ya Allah. Wa akhri da'wana, and alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.